Welcome to the Freedom Chasers podcast, where we bring you interviews and discussions that share the stories, successes, goals, and dreams of real estate agents and investors pursuing a life of purpose and freedom. Today, we're here with Dan Haberkost. He's the owner of Front Range Land LLC in Colorado Springs. Thank you so much for joining us, Dan. We like to jump right into it. Can you just start off the show by telling us one of your craziest real estate stories or transactions that you've ever faced? Yeah, a- absolutely, Tim, Matt. Thanks for having me. Uh, this will be this is a great first question because we all talk about our wins, right? Well, <clears throat> to give you guys some context, mm-hmm. uh, I do a lot of land and development, hence front range land. And one of the most essential things for building of houses or selling land to people who want to build houses is water. And for those of you out east, you know, I'm from Ohio originally. You guys are in Chicago. There's plenty of water. You got the Great Lakes right there. Not much of a consideration. Well, Colorado is a desert, okay? It's sunny and dry here all the time. So at the beginning of this year, I'm flying back from a nice trip with my girlfriend to Florida, and I had six lots I had already purchased, three more under contract, and then separately a couple houses underway. And four of the lots I'd purchased were under contract to sell. And it looked like the other two were soon also going to go under contract. So I'm expecting to make between 12 and 14 K a lot plus have multiple builds planned. And I get a text like that. right, you know, you land from, from, from flying and suddenly you have service and your phone blows up. Well, I have all these distressed texts from everyone I do business with, right? My friends, uh, uh, my acquisitions managers, realtors, and suddenly, with no warning, the primary market I'm in just shut off all new water taps and all new build permits. No warning, nothing. So yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. So I'm sitting, I'm sitting there thinking, oh yeah. shoot, is is does this mean that all the land I've purchased is a sunk cost? Is it worthless? Plus, all of this money I'm expecting to come in is now not going to come in. The builds I had planned are not going to happen. That was an awful day. I, I had several other things go wrong. I'll, I'll tell your listeners when it rains, it mm. storms. Um, but that was a bit of a nightmare uh, because I had a very clear plan as far as how many houses I'm going to build, how many lots we're going to flip. I had my numbers nailed down. You know, we send X amount of mailers. We get X deals with a certain amount of profit, right? And that all went by the wayside in just mm. a moment. And so I'll stop for a moment. I I don't know if you want me to tell you just yeah, what I did. Yeah, absolutely. Or, or, We're hooked okay, now. Well, yeah. Okay. All right. All right. So, well, I let myself feel bad for, for, for myself for about five minutes. And I said, all right, I can cry about it or mm. I can deal with it. And that's just life. So I immediately the next day got a whole bunch of mailers out to a different market in Florida that had many of the same characteristics as the market I was in here in Colorado. Um, and I said, well, I'll assume that that money's gone and I'll go get this going elsewhere. So I did it once or more than once. I can certainly do it again. Um, thankfully, I can tell you now here six months later, uh, soon thereafter, it became clear they were going to open it back mm. up in a few months at a higher price and at a limited amount of taps. So I was able to over the course of between now and or early, early June and, and January sell off the remainder of those lots but I did so at much lower profits. I didn't get nearly as many builds going as expected. Uh, thankfully, I had pulled the permit and paid for the tap a week before that happened on one of them. So that one actually closes oh, today, cool. by the way. Um, but yeah, no, I've, I've quickly expanded into Florida. Uh, I've gotten builds going elsewhere. And 
you know, you, you handle it and you move on. Uh, it's easier to say that mm-hmm. in hindsight. There was definitely a rough few weeks. I, uh, I also that week, my accountant called me and told me he had miscategorized something and I owed 50K in taxes, not 20, mm-hmm. as I, he told me to expect. And I had some problems at a rental that same month. So Feb- February was a rough month this year. But uh, yeah, so that's one of the craziest stories. I have plenty more if you'd like them. Uh, but yeah, yeah, so what I love right off the bat is you immediately recognize in that moment of chaos, like you're not going to go sulk and all this type of stuff. It's like, hey, I can deal with this or, you know, just I really like the frame that you put your mind in kind of tagging along that. So what was your expectation of what real estate would be like before you got in? And what was it actually like? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, well, you know, we get kind of the rose colored glasses. Well, maybe not on your show, but most shows you kind of get the here are my best deals ever, right? I, I sound so smart in hindsight, like it was all planned. And so I, I would say that my expectations were probably a little rosy. Uh, when I bought my first property, which was in 2018, I was, I was 21, I was 21. still in college. Um, and uh, I'll say in hindsight, probably one of the biggest things that has shifted in my mind is you hear when you're new about buy and hold, you know, I, I have all this passive income, right? And that's what's exciting about rentals. But in hindsight, I'm realizing I'm more excited about the active businesses that I can build and put people in and then just buy nice easy assets that will pay themselves down and appreciate over the long run. I'm less excited by the prospect of buying, you know, duplexes and fourplexes. I'm far more excited about building out these active businesses that can last for decades. And then they print cash. And I just put that into, you know, Walgreens buildings, right? One of my friends owns a bunch of Walgreens, that that sort of thing. So that's probably one of the big paradigm shifts is that, the buy and hold serves a different purpose at this point in my mind than it, what I thought it would serve. And then number two, just as a corollary to everything we've talked about, uh, uh, you're going to get kicked in the teeth nonstop. Things are going to go wrong nonstop. And, you know, that's the reality of starting any business. Totally. Absolutely. So a lot of being an entrepreneur is about your handle or your ability to handle pressure, right? And not only that, but your mindset when you're going through um, a situation like that. And as Matt stated, like the way you said, mm-hmm. I have, I gave myself five minutes and then I was like, I'm going to solve this problem now. Um, that is a consistent yeah. thing that we'll see. It's just a mindset. It's like, we got this problem. It's like, we're going to solve it. We're going to take, we're going to take responsibility. We're going to handle it. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. That goes back. I, I ran other people's businesses in, in high school and college and, you know, I'll never forget. So Wait, what? To, to college you ran full-time. other people's businesses in high school and college. Like d- dive into that. Oh yeah. So, <laughs> so 16 year old Dan, you think I'm a baby face now. You should have seen me then. Uh, 16 year old Dan would manage a portfolio of rental properties and a farm for my boss. Well, he would go to Aruba for a good portion of the year. Um, and then in college for the last two years, I was going to school full time. And then I was managing the residential side of a landscaping company. And that is where I really learned how to maintain equanimity when things go wrong, because I had, I don't know, between 15 and 20 guys to manage all much older than me, along with a full-time school schedule. And I would get there in the morning, you know, we had, we had set up, all right, we're doing these jobs today for these clients. And there'd always be several people that called off or a weather issue. And then I'd have a group of a bunch of guys standing around me, the phone ringing from clients who are now upset and, you got to just stay calm and handle it. You got to stay. And that's where I learned that took, that took some time. But um, um, yeah, that experience was very useful because 
there's going to be upset there, you know, there's upset employees, there was upset clients and you got to, you just got to deal with it. And so that was a really useful experience doing that. Why in the world would a 16 year old Dan want to be handling tenant phone calls (laughs) and running these businesses? Um, so I grew up in, in rural Ohio, uh, about 50 minutes from Cleveland. And it really goes back to if I wanted to buy anything, if I wanted a car or a cell phone, I had to go buy it myself. So that really is what got me to, to go to work. And then uh, that guy quickly uh, developed a good relationship with him. And he realized I was a little bit precocious. Mm-hmm. And so he just gave me more and more responsibility. In hindsight, great strategy taking advantage of kids that, you know, mm-hmm. finding and paying them mm-hmm. next to nothing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it makes me laugh in hindsight. But uh, yeah, no, that was just more a matter of necessity. Um, if I wanted a cell phone and a car and so on and go to college, I had to. to wow. work. That's so cool. Um, so. you know, I mean, and you mentioned like he was kind of taking advantage of you in that situation, but actually, you know, if you really look at it in the long term, it was probably a tremendous experience for you. Um, I mean, <laughs> and actually him putting that faith in you is probably not super common. So, I mean, I wish somebody put me in sure. that situation at 16, cause I'm sure I would have figured it out and I'd probably be in a much better mm-hmm. place now because of that experience. <laughs> Fair. Yeah. And I, yeah, I say course. that with a smile <laughs> on my face. Uh, you know, I'm not actually bitter in any way about that. It, it was very useful. I learned a lot from Beautiful. Him. Very cool. So, yeah, I mean, like, so you're thrust into the real estate game at 16. You obviously are clearly highly intelligent, highly energetic, and you were able to figure these things out because it sounds like there wasn't a whole lot of direction. Just like, hey, I'm going figure this out. How did that start to evolve? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was so. There was four houses, and the the management was not really that mm-hmm. big of a deal. You know, oh, something went wrong. I show up, I look at it. If I can't fix it, I call this HVAC guy or this plumber, whatever. So that that wasn't a huge deal. We didn't have anything super traumatic mm-hmm. happen. But there, I would say, I, in that specific experience, I learned more from having to manage people older than me and just have respons- responsibilities for people older. Pay than your me rent, bro. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, in the context of the farm, so he owned mm-hmm. a farm and then on that farm, each farm, each segment of it, he had a oh. rental house. And so I, w- I would handle both. Um, and so, yeah, ma- managing people, even to this day is by no means a, a strong point for me, but, uh, you know, that, that helped me learn a bit about how to do so it. So I want to dive in if you're willing to the mindset. Mm-hmm. So what I'm hearing mm-hmm. you saying is this was easy. And what I've come to learn in you know, leveling up in business and growing and whatnot is that a lot of times things being easy isn't necessarily as much about intelligence, although that's helpful, as it is a mindset. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, did you, were things always easy for you your entire life? Did you go through some mindset shifts? What allowed that level of operation at 16 to 18 years old to be easy for you? Well, that again, we're talking in hindsight. So, listeners, mm-hmm. you know, teenage Dan was not quite as, um, what's the word? Uh, it was a little more upset about these things and having to yeah. do these things at that age. I've grown up a little bit since then. But, um, you know, if you want to dive into this, I'll tell you a story that illustrates the yeah. point pretty well. So I met a guy out here in Colorado right when I moved in 2018 at the real estate group. And uh, it was clear he knew everything I wanted to know. He'd been doing development all over the country for the last 40 years, traveling everywhere, you know, California, Colorado, Hawaii, just having a great time building businesses. And uh, anyway, so as I got to know him, it turned out he had cancer since he was 14 years old. And 
I saw him try and write his name. He can barely write his name legibly. He didn't finish high school because, hey, getting brain surgery in the 70s especially didn't go so well. And he's literally been disabled his whole life. Yet he's managed to build quite the business. And I have never heard him complain. And then 2019, we've become friends at this point, And uh, he gets cancer. And again, different cancer, this time in his neck. And I remember at the the towards the end of chemo and radiation, I had a question. I call him. He says, oh, I'll meet you. He sounds like he's dying. He comes in. He meet, meet, uh, I think it was like a McDonald's we met. And he, he comes in looking like he's on the verge of dying. I'm like, are you sure we should meet? Should I just take you home? He's like, man, I've been dealing with this since I was 14. And this is not going to take me out. Anyways, he proceeds to help me recover, get through it. And in all of this, I have never heard this man mm. complain. And he'll always say to me when I ask him, oh, can I do this? Can I do that? How do I? He goes, Dan, it's, it, it's blue skies. You can, you can go do whatever Whoa. you want, which is a great analogy because it's always sunny in Colorado, mm. which is a sharp contrast to where I grew up. And so being around him these last few years, if I catch myself ever complaining or feeling bad for myself, I always think about him because here's a man who he has probably a reason to complain. He's been disabled his whole life, in pain his whole life. And he went out and lived an awesome life anyways and didn't complain about it. And so that has taught me quite a bit. I think about him a lot and that a lot. And uh, it definitely affects how I think and stops me from whining when things go wrong. How powerful is that? Wow. That's yep. incredible. Yep. Yep. Yeah, he's he's a very very good friend, and I will will take those lessons for in, for the rest of my life. I don't think there's ever been a real estate question or transaction I've asked him where he doesn't have an example of something he's done. But all across the West Coast, it's yeah, he's been a wealth of knowledge, and again, done all this where he can barely write his name. So amazing. So yep. So basically, um, you have a situation where you've been put amongst these two men, one giving you an opportunity to problems to solve and one sounds like a mentor. But it, I do hear mm -hmm. in the way you're talking that you, you sought these people out. You know, you gave the example of mm -hmm. you didn't, you want to have a cell phone, you want to have a car. What led you yeah. to real estate instead of working at Target or something like that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, great, great question. So right around 20, 21 years old when I was in college that I was working that job and I saw myself just going down the same sort of path uh, that everyone in my family, relatives, and just everyone in the rural Midwest goes down, right? Um, and I just, no, I, I'm, not, I'm not doing this. I'm not going to work some shitty job for the rest of my life, making you know, 50, 60 grand a year and slowly saving for retirement. I didn't want to live in Ohio. I, it's, <laughs> anyway, so I said, what can I do? How can I separate myself? How can I go start some sort of business you know, if I can do full-time school plus a full-time job, I can start some sort of business on the side when I'm done with school. So I started reading. I read about equities, just different businesses, and then like everyone else, it was Rich Dad, Poor Dad that I read, and it was like the light bulb moment. Immediately started listening to Bigger Pockets, went out and bought that duplex, um, and that was really the light bulb moment for me because I just saw it as, as infinitely scalable, right? You learn... <laughs> It's like some of the first land deals I did. I bought land for 150, 200 bucks and sold it for a thousand or bought it for a thousand, sold it for six and then bought it for 10 and sold it for 30. And I can make a hundred K on a spec house. And so you can add a zero with each year or two, as opposed to a linear, linear progression. And that was something about real estate that really stood out to me. Wow. 
Um, absolutely tremendous answer. I would love to start diving into this land and acquisitions or acqu acquisitions, excuse me, um, because that is like the basis of your business model. So can we kind of jump into how you mm -hmm. structure that, um, how the acquisition looks like, and then you do new builds too, right? So I mean, yeah. I just love to have like a broad strokes yeah. overview of what your business mm -hmm. looks like and how it operates. Sure. So let's start high level. Everyone knows what quote unquote wholesaling residential houses means as, as of today. That's been all the rage. So imagine that same sort of system, but for land. Okay. And then once I get a deal, it's a matter of, okay, are we just going to flip it? Are we going to sign the contract? Am I going to sell it on a note, right? Where I carry the financing or am I going to put a house on it? Right? So there's four exit strategies we've used over and over again. Uh, and just depending on the location, right, the size, so on and so forth, we pick whichever one makes the most sense. Um, and an important distinction for your listeners, uh, I am going after infill land that has already had all the work put into it to bring in utilities, right, entitlements, roads, all of that is a very, number one, expensive and just pain in the butt process. So the land I'm going after is quote unquote shovel ready, meaning that you go get your plans done, right? You submit it, take them through the county and you can get your permit built. You don't have to do the work to bring in any entitlements or utilities. Now that can be very profitable. I have friends doing that, but that's just a whole different type of land and a whole different business. Uh, so clear distinction there. And, and the marketing started with mail and then added in cold calling uh, and have been doing some t texting lately. Uh, but it's just like a wholesaling business as far as what gets the leads. It's just, it's all for infill lots as opposed to houses. So you're doing like single family type things or multifamily or. Most of the land is for single family. We've moved some commercial lots. Uh, and then the, the spec houses, the new builds have all been single family up to this Beautiful. point. Yes. Yep. And then in terms of disposition, how do you build a buyer's list for land? Because I know that's a bit more challenging than somebody that's looking to fix or flip. Those are pretty pretty easy to build. Yeah. Well, again, think about the product we're talking about. Who would want that, right? In any business, you have to know who your end user is. And for infill land in these growing markets, it's going to be uh, builders uh, or perhaps even just the mom and pop end user that's building a house for themselves or occasionally other investors. So knowing that one of my favorite things to do, I, I, my acquisitions managers do a lot of dispo because acquisitions is very simple with this sort of land due diligence. Once you know a market is next to nothing, it takes a few minutes. Um, so anyways, they just go, they look up all the builders in the area and they just call them and they ask for land acquisitions departments. A lot of times for the small mom and pop builders, that's the same person that's answering the phone. It's just the GC out in the field. Um, another way that I like, and th there is some overlap here, but I'll go on PropStream. I'll go, let's say, you know, we have a, a lot in the middle of town. I'll go to that section where all the lots fit that sort of uh, size and zoning. I'll pull a list of recently sold, say last three months, where the owners own at least three lots, bought for at least the price you want to sell at. And then we get a list of people who just bought right next to the lot for the price I want to sell it and own several of them, meaning they very likely are builders or buyers who are accruing multiple lots. So that's been a great list to skip trace and just call. Um, and then a lot of them, we just, we just list with realtors, you know, in Florida, I have a realtor who will list while we're under contract I've done a few assignments, but a lot of times, you know, I have, I have two that officially close July the 6th. So next week, and we just got 
offers on both of them. So they'll immediately just resell because mm. uh, it's a little too late for an assignment on that one. So sometimes just listing on market works well too. That's beautiful. Yeah. I mean, I mean, especially in a market like we've been in, you know, it, mm-hmm. when we're yeah. doing flips or things like that, a lot of times we don't even flip the properties anymore. We don't do the repairs because profit's almost the same if you just put on the mm-hmm. MLS. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So one, one question I could see our audience having is centered around market research, market selection. So your first market was in a place that has no water uh, or had water issues? It didn't at the time. Correct. Uh, it's grown rapidly oh, since Oh, beautiful. Then, yes. Yeah. And so yeah. what are some you know things that people should consider or look for when they're, when they're choosing their market? Yeah. This is actually very, very simple. So I always like to start big and then zoom in. So starting big, where are people mm-hmm. moving? Okay. Sunbelt, Southeast, right? So go somewhere where people are moving. Maybe you live in New York or a state where people aren't moving, but you know it really well. And there's a segment of that state that people are flocking to. So you, you could even look more micro that way. But first and foremost, for the type of land I'm going after, you want to be where someone's moving. Okay. Florida. Great example of that. Obviously, everyone knows that's the hottest state in the country at or Texas probably. Okay. And then from there, I'll go to the major metros in Florida. I'll go on Zillow, pull up recently sold lots last, you know, 30, 90 days and look for clusters in second or third level markets outside of the major metros, ideally along major highways. So let me use Colorado as an example. It's easy here because we have a giant mountain range in the way that all the cities are along. So it's just been straight down I-25 that the path of progress has moved, well, a little bit out and up too, but but generally just straight down I-25, you know, Denver, Colorado Springs, so on and so forth. You know, I had a friend in Texas asking me how to look at this. And my first thought was, okay, between the major metros, can you find some small towns that have been kind of sleepy rural up to this point, but are between, you know, Austin and I, I forget which is mm-hmm. where, but you, you see my point. So in Florida, looked at the major metros, followed the, the highways, and then I found a couple of different clusters where there's just hundreds of lots buying and selling each month. Prices had gone up a lot recently. And then at the same time, I would flip over on Zillow because again, I'm, I'm going after infill land. That's my niche. That's where I know. Well, are there new builds here or is this rural or raw recreational land? So I'll see about recently built and sold homes. And then if there's quite a few of those, okay, great. Here's my end buyer right here for the land. Um, and it's important that it's these these more smaller markets that have been ignored for years, uh, because oftentimes you have all these owners that bought land 10, 20, 30 years ago for nothing. And now, even if you buy it at 50 cents on the dollar, they're still getting, you know, five, six, seven X on their what they initially put in. Um, and then there's still room for you to go make a margin. And a lot of times, a lot of the owners passed away. So probate's been a thing we've done a million times, you know, just all kinds of different little title issues. But uh, I, I'm rambling a little bit. So to summarize, go to growing areas, find the major metros, look at the markets kind of on the edge of the progress. Don't go where everyone already knows it's hot and then check. Are there lots of lots being bought and sold? Are there new builds out here? You know, if I go on PropStream, are there thousands of owners that have owned for 20 plus years and live out of state? Well, it's probably a sunk cost in their mind. So that's a good place to go market to, assuming the demand is there. You want to you know, let me, let me use Pueblo West as an example. So I live in Colorado. You go Denver, an hour south is Colorado Springs, another hour south is Pueblo. Pueblo's always had a bad reputation um, for good reason, honestly. But 10 miles to the west of Pueblo is 
a subdivision called Pueblo West at the base of a reservoir kind of out in the desert. And actually the same developer that did Lake Havasu in Arizona came up here and did Pueblo West about a decade later. And I remember when I went down there the first time, you have just thousands of infill lots, flat, all utilities in place, commutable to Colorado Springs, big reservoir, mountains, 55 and sunny in the middle of winter, not so bad. And the lots are selling for four, five, six grand mm. at the time. Like that's ridiculous. Call What is it? A hundred grand for even a crappy lot in Colorado Springs. So it's not necessarily that you want to find the places that are, are most desirable, but what is the demand relative to the value, right? If you can find a middle of the road area, but you can buy at just obscene discounts like that, that's absurdly cheap. Well, it could still make sense for at least making money as far as buy and hold. That might be a different story, but um, it's been a great place to, to flip lots. Everyone who listens to our show knows Tim and I are passionate about obtaining financial freedom through real estate investing. We also know that everyone's situations and goals are different. And while there are programs out there that show you a path to financial freedom, many of these programs are just too cookie cutter and don't take your personality, situation, and desired outcome into account. Think about the number of times that you've watched a guru online and tried to do the exact same thing as they did, but had nowhere near the same results. You are not alone. When I got started, I was continually paying for courses and getting only partial results until I discovered the path that made sense for me. The results prove this out. Most online course creators have let us in on their dirty secrets that 90 to 95% of their students never complete their course and achieve their desired outcome. This is not something that we're okay with. The benefit of working with Tim and I is that we are interviewing between five and 20 people every single week. We have accumulated hundreds of seven-figure strategies and gotten inside scoop from these successful entrepreneurs. We're able to work with you to pick the strategy that will best fit and then help you create the custom plan to take you quickly into financial freedom. As a former math teacher, I always taught my students that the fastest way between two points is a straight line. If you want to get rid of the many curves in the road that can make the journey longer and more costly, then go to coaching.freedomchaserspodcast.com and book a call with us. And let's get you on a straight line path to freedom. And you live in Pueblo. No, I live in Colorado Springs. Gotcha. Cool. Yep. Yeah. Tremendous. So you're picking these lots up for four to 6,000. And (laughs) that was years ago. They don't sell for that anymore. Uh, But it was, it was an absolute field that day down there for a long time because Pueblo had a bad Mm. reputation. So people ignored Pueblo West, people who lived here and who had businesses here, people who were moving. So there, there, there was tons of demand on the consumer side. There was little fulfillment on the business owner side, right? There aren't, there weren't many competent builders, investors, realtors, so on and so forth down there. And so I just felt like I was in my own little world for a while. It's less so mm. now, but at the time. Um, I got a question for you. So curious, like say you were in a major market like mine, Chicago, right? So this is obviously built mm-hmm. up already correct so mm-hmm. <laughs> um and we don't quite have yeah. two cities that are going to have really any um middle ground i mean it's really chicago and there's there's mm-hmm. it's rural <laughs> the rest of the state right yeah. um yeah, oh, I yeah. Know chicago so, well. so like yeah. let's yep. talk about land acquisitions here so you would probably target areas that you see a lot of teardowns in right or something like that where people are are re configuring based on a certain neighborhood because of the school district or something like that? Mm-hmm. Or, or what do you, what are your thought processes there? Just curious. You know, I mean, depending on the financial position of the person and what they're trying to accomplish, I would probably just tell them to go elsewhere. But if you're dead set 
on doing it in Chicago, yeah, I, I would, you know, there's people doing this up in Denver, targeting the areas where builders are coming in, scraping the old product and, and bringing in or, you know, building nice new houses. And there's plenty of places in Denver that are doing this. Um, is there any infill left or is it full? I mean, are there, are there suburbs, nice suburbs where there's infill remaining or is it pretty much uh, it's all It's still expanding. Out? Chicago Metro is always expanding, right? There's uh, new okay. builds all the time. So, I mean, we it's certainly growing sure. out. Um, I was just curious because, I mean, there's mm-hmm. tons of new construction on, on older land mm-hmm. areas that are closer to the city, you know, like Elmhurst, um, Wheaton, it's uh-huh. a lot of teardowns, Hinsdale, like you could buy a, a, a mm-hmm. lot for 300K in these areas and then you build a giant house and it's mm-hmm. worth 2 million now. So I was just curious. What, one other thought, yeah, what, one other thought would be, let's say for the entirety of the area, you know, Chicago plus the suburbs you want to you wanna target, there's only a few th- let's say a thousand lots. Well, what you can do, number one, scrape that list for, do any of them have tax liens? Do any of them have deceased owners where I can go talk to the lawyer and, you know, probate them or any, you know, any sort of distress for any of those lots or, or, and I should say, you could start marketing to those owners, especially the ones that have owned them for decades. Hey, what are you going to do with this? Can we make a deal? And, and, in that specific context, it's going to be much lower volume, but much potentially higher profit per deal because you're talking about such a higher price point. Um, so, yeah, my first thought would be cross-reference it, you know, with all the different potential sources of distress and then see if anything comes up. And then that would be the first place to start is, oh, hey, this one has tax liens or whatever on it. Awesome. Thank you for that answer. Makes sense. So where where are you heading next? I mean, you're in your early to mid 20s. You've done all these land deals. You've done things that most people would only dream of doing. Um, what what does the next one to three years look like for Dan? Yeah, great question. So I um, have thought a lot about this because, right, you solve the initial reasons you start a business and it's well, why? What? What do I? What am I going to do? So you have here? a cell phone and a car now. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, that problem solved. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yes, yes. No, the original point of having a business was just freedom, being able to wake up every morning and actually have my priorities be my priorities. Um, so at this point, actually, the meeting that I came straight from to here summarizes what I'm looking to do. I don't, in the long term, on the buy and hold side, want to just buy a bunch of houses or duplexes, right? And especially the more I figure out how to make a lot of money on on the active side, commercial is where I want to go. So I just met with a contractor who him and his company have been building industrial all over Colorado Springs for the last 25 years. That's the sort of asset class that really appeals to me. So we're looking at, you know, what is it going to take to go buy a lot, put a strip center on it and just rent it out or potentially build two, sell one off and, and keep the other. So in the long run, that's really what's interesting to me. I'm very, honestly, I'm very bored of what I'm doing. I'm not letting that stop me from doing it because it's making me money. But um, I think we all find after a certain period of time that part of the enjoyment of this is just using your brain, taking on difficult things and, and learning, right? Um, so yeah, in, in the long run, that's where I'd like to go. And, and going back to the topic of scalability, well, once you start to learn that space, right, strip centers, industrial and combinations of the two, that's scalable to pretty much whatever degree you want it to be. Um, so on the passive side, on the investing side, that's where I'm working to go. Uh, I'm building and just keeping a duplex in Pueblo West right now, too, because I already have that system so set up. I got a good duplex lot. They'll meet the 1% rule on new construction. So, that's you great. know, um, no, there's no de- there's yeah. no deals, right? <laughs> right. Anyways. 
uh, to the active business side, the land and development has gone very well. I'm enjoying building that out, training some of the acquisitions managers. So I'm not going to pivot away from that by any means. Really what we're working on doing is just getting into more expensive markets. So, you know, instead of buying for you know 10 and selling for 20 something, right? Uh, I think, I think we have a deal in Cape Coral at 50 where it's worth like 80 or 90. Uh, you know, so, so that's what I'm working to do on that side of things. And then just keep several builds going. I'm being a little more cautious mm-hmm. given the changing market, but building a simple 322, 1500 square foot, that sort of product is so entry level. And then also just having a big spread on that, being that I could drop the price or increase the buyer's agent commission. I feel fairly mm-hmm. comfortable doing that. Um, so yeah, just continuing to build the land business. And I've been thinking more, right? As you, as you progress, you're able to think much longer term. You don't have to worry about tomorrow or next month. Um, how do I set this up to be a sustainable business in 10 years? You know, that that's really what I'm thinking about now with, with the land and development business and then getting into commercial on the, the buy and hold side. Totally. And so like one thing I notice in myself and in a lot of the people we interview is they're, they're achieving some level of success and the the goal oftentimes is the financial freedom. It's the ability to do whatever you want, whenever you want, however you want. And it's this usually this picture of the beach or something. But the, mm-hmm. the, the thing that got us there was overcoming challenges. And it's like a lot of times we become this adrenaline junkie business person. Mm-hmm. And really <laughs> yes. the idea of the beach doesn't even appeal. So you're setting up a business with commercial, let's say, which has its own set of challenges for sure. But then those things mm-hmm. are set up then you'll probably need another challenge. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, more and more, I, I think a lot about this. You know, there was in the beginning of 2020, I had a rough, a difficult project, and then I took a month or two off after that, and I was so quickly mm-hmm. bored. So uh, I'm an actual thrill junkie, so I love snowboarding, mountain climbing, uh, mountain biking. And I took a couple months and just did that, and then I, I quickly got bored. I have to be working on challenges in conjunction with the fun stuff. So... I'm enjoying myself right mm. now, right? Got a big hike planned over the weekend. You know, I've been going surfing out in, in California, that sort of thing. Um, so yes, I th- it's been become clear to me that it's not that there's any specific destination that I think I'm going to reach where everything will be great. I'm enjoying myself today and tomorrow and next next month uh, as I build these these businesses and also do things I like to do and seem you know spend time with my family. So I think. So I'll stop rambling. Uh, I think what's important is just having very, very clear priorities from day one so that you do not uh, ignore the other aspects aspects of life. So important, like so important mm-hmm. that you're living and enjoying your life as you're building this thing. Like that is so cool. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you do this right, and, and the startup is always hard. I don't know anyone who didn't struggle at first. Again, in hindsight, it sounds a lot easier than it is. There were some rough years or like the beginning of this year. Um, but if you do this right, you can get to a point where you're really just going out and doing business with a lot of your friends and just kind of having fun. That's how I feel like I'm, I'm kind of, <laughs> yeah. feel, that's what I do every day. Totally. Uh, yeah. And yeah. Agreed. I mean, that, that's the whole goal, man. This is the Freedom Chasers podcast. I mean, that is basically mm-hmm. like what freedom sounds like. What, what sounds better like than going out and making money with your friends? Like that's just like it's a brilliant thing. Yeah. And also you have control over your time, yeah. where you put your time, where you spend your energy. Yep. Um, I love that you mentioned the boredom before. You'd be amazed how often people say that they get bored on this podcast with us. Um, and I just think it's an entrepreneurial yeah. thing. You always want to constantly be growing. Yeah. I mean, it's just it's a game of growth. 
right? And like the and it's it, yeah. you can grow until you want to stop. Essentially, like there's really no ceiling. Mm -hmm. um, you get to choose the end of your growth, mm -hmm. um, and that could be whenever it is. Like it could be yeah. ten years from now, it could be thirty years from now. But I mean, most people in our shoes, mm -hmm. um, I don't think we're built for like retirement um <laughs> because mm. i would drive myself nuts um if if i just had four yeah. weeks off i don't know what the hell i would do with myself yeah i mean i i have other yeah. hobbies you know i could go spend four weeks doing a snowboarding tour but yeah i'd want to i'd want to come back and do some sort of some sort of work very quickly there yeah yeah and what i found too is like work not only fuels a certain part of the personality but it, it to me it's like shrouded in purpose you know, like, especially because mm -hmm. the work we do provides housing, it provides opportunities, it provides jobs. You know, it's like, if I stopped working today, there'd be a number of people that wouldn't have employment, there would be a number of, mm -hmm. you know, people that be impacted. So it's hard for me too, from a, from a purpose standpoint, you know, knowing like, if we stop, then other people, I mean, they'll figure it out. But mm. yeah. Yeah, no, I've, I've really enjoyed training a few of my acquisitions managers and teaching them. Um, that's very satisfying. Yeah. Awesome, man. So someone getting started, mm -hmm. you know, you're biased, of course, but would you recommend the land game over other games or what's your take? Well, I'd have to start with what are they trying mm -hmm. to accomplish? You know, I... I have a friend who, who got started recently and he's a doctor and he's in a very different position than, you know, myself four years ago. So are you starting where you're broke and you hate your job? Well, land's a pretty good place you could potentially start because there are some really low barrier to entry markets where you can build up your capital. It's very simple. There's less due diligence and you can do it anywhere. Um, so on the flip side of that, if you, you know, are the doctor, maybe for you, you should go straight into buying commercial buildings because you make $400 an hour like he does, you know. So it's really, as always, it depends on your position and your goals. Um, are you trying to get out of traditional employment in the next couple of years or are you just trying to have passive income and additional retirement, you know, safety, right, in 20 years? In that case, maybe you should just buy and hold very easy, simple, nice B plus A minus, you know, A properties. So it's just, it just depends what you're trying to accomplish. Totally. So someone that's getting started, what's the best way they can connect with you? Are you guys taking on acquisition people? Uh, you know, I just got a new one, uh, very recently here. So not immediately, but, uh, <laughs> you can reach out on Instagram or just danhabercross.com. You can see a lot of what I'm working on and things I'm thinking, uh, thinking about. And then also just Facebook, Dan Habercross. Sweet. But, can I actually, let me, let me tell a quick story since we have yeah. a little bit of time for anyone yeah. that's new. So two weeks ago, uh, I did, I, I host the real estate group here now. And a couple weeks ago, there's a kid that came up to me after asked me to coffee and he seemed like he'd already bought rentals, right? And he was 24. I'm like, okay, so this is someone that's not going to waste my time. He's actually doing something. So I went and met with him and he tells me he's got eight units. He works full-time in the army. He would have gone to West Point. He's got a little Airbnb arbitrage business on the side and he goes, well, what can I do for you? How can I help you? And I go, well, there's a market I want to get into. I haven't sent mailers to yet. I'll pull a list. If you start calling, uh, you can help me that way. Well, I get him the list, go on a Zoom call with him the next day. And uh, before we even hang up, the phone is already ringing. He's already mm -hmm. calling. And he gets a bunch of leads the first day. So to anyone listening, wanting to get started, probably the best thing that I could have done quicker 
is gone and find someone who is where I wanted to be and, and done that for them. That's a perfect illustration. I will help him with anything if he keeps this up. I will show him anything. I, he goes, well, if we make money, you just keep it all in the first couple and then we can figure something out down the road. I'm like, I'm not, mm. not going to do that. But a- anyways, that attitude and what he did without any expectation in return, I'll, I'll help him with anything. If he, he needs anything, I'll call him back. You know, I'll text him back. So that go find the person who's where you want to be and do that for them. Um, and don't be afraid to work for free for some time. Cause if someone's teaching you how to make millions of dollars, you should probably be paying them. Mm-hmm. So you should be you know, thankful to be able to do that for free. Phenomenal. So, yeah. Yeah, that's absolutely true. I mean, that's why they have internship programs in the first place. Right. So, I mean, you're, I mean, you're getting mm-hmm. paid to learn oftentimes like in, in your case, mm-hmm. um, it looks like you're going to take care of that guy. Um, you know, and, and oftentimes yeah. people in our situation, people that have found success, I mean, most of us have an abundance mindset, um, not a scarcity mindset. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, if you do reach out to the people that have already been successful, um, oftentimes, as long as you have the right mindset, they're going to help you. Um, yeah. And, and, and I, uh, to backtrack a little bit, uh, the guy I told you the story about with the, the cancer, uh, mm-hmm. I did that for him. Mm-hmm. I went, drove an hour south, worked for him for free, learned how to build <laughs> Learned how to think really more than mm. anything, but I, I learned how to, the, the building of houses came from, from him. Um, and just whatever you guys do, if you're new, don't just reach out to someone and say, hey, can you teach me everything you know mm-hmm. for free? Uh, that is frustrating when you get those messages. Oh, yeah. for sure. So. Lead with value, right? Like, what can I do for you to help your business? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I'm not asking for anything in return, right? Yep. It's like, I just want to help you. It's the go-giver yep. mindset. And even... Yeah. And even just showing that you have done something. I had someone else a couple weeks ago, you know, offer to work for me, but he's like, Hey man, you know, I, I listened to some of your, your podcasts and I sent out mailers and I got this lead. I'm like, okay, I'll take five minutes and help this guy. He spent money. He's actually doing it. He's uncomfortable. Of course I'll help. You know what I mean? So just even going out there and doing something, it's not it just trying to pick someone's brain, having done absolutely nothing is, is not the way to, to start unless you know that person personally. Mm-hmm. You know? And even then it's not ideal. Yeah. Like, I think you're giving some really, really great tips. I mean, if nothing else, take action and find out where, like, so my brother, he came out of the military and he wanted a job. And so I said, look, Mm -hmm. you're going to make cold calls all day long for a week to a week and a half, Mm -hmm. and then I'll start training you. And the point behind that was how, how do you know what I'm teaching you is going to be effective? How do you know how to have the context? You get beat up on 1500 phone calls. You're going to know exactly Mm -hmm. what I'm teaching you, how that correlates and yeah, I think that's such a good piece of advice to one, spare the mentor's time because the number of times you, I'm sure you've answered mm-hmm. questions that the person's never taken action on is probably like through the roof, through the mm-hmm. ceiling. And, and then you, you, mm-hmm. you respect, you respect yourself, you respect the mentor and you're showing yourself you're going to take action. Yep. Yep. Exactly. So many people in our shoes just get excited when some new person is out doing something and, and actually accomplishing something right there's a girl at the real estate group she's like 22 and she bought a house hack already like i'll help her with anything that's awesome you know so that is is something that i think definitely attracts people to want to help you i'll say i have found that when you're a young person doing what older people wish they had Mm -hmm. done at your age and you're not an arrogant little prick about it then people want to help you yep that i have found yeah it's amazing what an absolutely awesome way to summarize that too. If you're not an absolute prick about it. Yeah. So, I mean, if you just show, <laughs> yeah, well, if you just well, show up and you think I, that you know that everything, <laughs> right, that you're, you're not going to, you're not going to give yes. the image out that you want to. Um, but if you show that you're willing to learn and you're already 
taking the mm -hmm. actions necessary um because that's obviously that's mm -hmm. like the number one thing that most people never do they never take the action mm -hmm. like i know so many people that have read yeah hundreds of courses and books on how to invest in real estate mm -hmm. it's like all right what have you done he's like nothing and it's like well you yeah. need to start doing something if you want it to work um so yeah. um absolutely tremendous it, it, and to be clear to your to your audience, if, if someone's feeling feeling dumb right now because that's them, I've caught myself doing it in in or as far as moving into harder or more intimidating aspects of business. So I just told you guys about you know Cape Coral trying to to get deals there. It took me longer than it should have to send mailers there because it's a big price point. You have lots that are worth a couple hundred grand, and so don't feel dumb if that's been you up to this point that was me on cape coral an older friend of mine had to go dan shut up and send your mail i'm like I mean, you're right you're right i'm being a baby so it's it's okay we all do this too so don't don't beat yourself up if that's been you we do it our whole yeah. lives right i mean like i'm Absolutely. training my my two and a half year old to swim right now and i mean it's a pretty agonizing process for him so <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we we all go through that challenge, and the challenge doesn't stop either. Because mm -hmm. as we said, the entrepreneurship mm -hmm. journey is a growth journey, so you're going to keep making yourself uncomfortable, yeah. keep stretching those boundaries, and it's just going to keep yep. going. So the hardest part is getting started, right? Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. Because I, I will say, you know, you guys started by asking me on this podcast what's one of the craziest stories, and nothing has built confidence like dealing yes. with those things and continuing to succeed. That has built confidence more than anything else, more than anything else, right? You know, you get kicked in the teeth when COVID hits or when your local municipality shuts down new builds and that's your mm. whole business and you deal with it and you move on anyways and you realize, oh, okay, well, I guess maybe a recession isn't as scary as it would have been if I hadn't have gone through that. Because I know when things go wrong, I can pause, reevaluate, and pivot mm -hmm. Precisely. The better you get at problem solving... The more money you make, essentially, mm -hmm. that's 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 the way I look at it. Like problem solving as a skill yes. is about the most valuable skill there yep. is, like the ability to mm -hmm. troubleshoot without direction. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, it, it's funny that I just set that expectation with myself that in the position I'm in, I'm the person that has to solve the problems that the other people, realtor, contractor, acquisitions manager doesn't know or want to solve. And so we, we have a, a closing today on one of the specs, the one that I got uh, permitted right before the shutdown. Mm -hmm. Uh, closing at one o'clock. And I joked with my realtor last night that I'm still expecting something to go wrong. I'm, we have the CO, we pass all the inspections and I'm, like, I'm still expecting something to go wrong, but we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> I think, so, yeah. But on the flip side, there's a hundred K of profit in that build. So way worth okay it. Absolutely. Yeah. And the thing I'm picking up from you that I think is so powerful is your persistence in putting yourself in the path of problems and solving them has given you freedom not just financially, but freedom from anxiety over a market crash or a market recession. Mm. Like, mm -hmm. I love that. You can mm -hmm. live mentally free. I, I would say um, there's a couple of points I want to make to that. So yes, it's not complete mm -hmm. freedom. You know, I, I, I came from a, just think of my dad. I catch myself being my dad. He was always a worrier. I've gotten much better because of just having done business and gone through challenges. But at the same time, there's also just a prudence with keeping my personal finances in check putting a lot of cash aside, right? And then I think one of my favorite things to do is to, whether it's reading books, listening to podcasts, or meeting in person, people who have done this mm -hmm. for decades. So, you know, talking talking to the guy I've been telling you about who's been doing this for 45 years, you know, he's lived through a lot and puts it in perspective. I was reading a book by uh, Edward O. Thorpe. He was just on the Tim Fer Ferriss podcast. He's like 90 years old. He's been investing for 70 years. And so just hearing 
about that, how he dealt with things. Just think of what's gone on in the last 70 mm-hmm. years, you know, and realize, oh, okay, none of this is new. Plenty of people have lived through it. The world doesn't just suddenly end, right? You just keep your own personal financial situation in check. Am I selling more contracts as opposed to closing? Am I only closing with deeper discounts? Absolutely. But I am ramping up, if anything, because people are scared right now. But land is still moving very quickly in Florida. So Amazing. Such a great perspective. One. Well, and I've gotten that from talking to people who are have twice as much experience as I've been mm-hmm. alive. That's so. good. And another great tip. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's the fastest way really to fast track your career. Mm-hmm. 100% find a good mentor, mm-hmm. find somebody that's already done it and repeat the process, right? Yeah. All right, Dan. Yep. Um, Dan Habercost, we want to sincerely thank you for coming on our show and giving us a glimpse into your life and business and to everyone else out there chasing freedom. Freedom is acquired one action at a time. If, if you do nothing else, just write down one action that you got from today and make sure to implement that in the next seven days. And please share it with somebody you know that can hold you accountable. And before you know it, you too will be living a life of freedom. Thank you again for tuning in to today's episode and we will catch you on the next one. Please like, comment, share, and subscribe. Engagement is like gold to us. We can't do what we're doing without it. Reviews and subscriptions, particularly on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube, are worth more than money. So please do what you can to support the show. 